are continuing our series, Live Like You Are Dying, and if you know much of the song, you know that there's one part of the song where Tim McGraw talks about that he's going to give forgiveness. Now, I really believe that as we kind of go through life, that there's a lot of us that when we come to the end or we start moving towards, you know, and maybe not the end, but we feel like that we're just kind of, we've lived for a while, and we start looking back, and we start thinking, you know, there's some things that I, you know, I wish I would have done different. Now, there's some things in my life that I, if I could do them over again, I would like the chance to do them over again. And I really hope that as we have been going through this series that we'll be able to maybe correct that a little bit. Instead of looking back and living life with regrets, that we will be able to look at life now and say, you know what, I am going to live like God has called me to live. And we can have joy in the living that we have right now. And I believe that one of the most difficult commands that God gives us in Scripture, and yet it is one of, the, one of the commands that's given in Scripture, that while it's difficult, that it provides so much freedom in our lives, is the issue of forgiveness. Now, I, this is not a real easy subject to talk about. I mean, it's easy to talk about God forgiving me, but it's a whole different ballgame when it comes to, you know, me forgiving others. Uh, there is a story about Robert the Bruce, who is, uh, you might remember the character from the movie Braveheart. He's the guy in the movie, anyway, who sort of betrays, you know, Mel Gibson. So, I, I, y'all, I can quote the movie just about verbatim, but I'm not going to do it. But in the movie, he's sort, of, he's sort of like the good guy, the guy you're disappointed in. But he was a real person. And Robert the Bruce wanted uh, Scotland to be able to have freedom, and the British were after him. And what happened is they, they knew they came, had come to a point where they wanted to keep him from his army, they wanted to kill him, and so they got his own dogs to begin to get after his trail. They had a scent, and his dogs began to chase after him. And so Robert the Bruce is running through the woods, and he comes to a stream, and his companions with him, you know, which would have been me, Mr. Positive, and he looks at Robert the Bruce, and he says, we are done for. And Bruce looks at him and says, just follow me. And they get into the stream, and they walk down the stream, and they get to the other side. A few minutes later, his dogs get to the stream, but the scent trail has been broken. And because of that, Robert the Bruce is able to reunite with his army, and he's crowned the first king of Scotland. Lots of fun story there, right? I gave you a history lesson today. But there's actually a purpose to the story. You see, I believe there are a lot of us who feel like, you know, the companion in that we have our own dogs that are chasing after us. They're hounding after us. And then we just think, man, I can't get away from it. I can't find any freedom from this. And we look into our lives, and for some of us, we are, we are being hounded by guilt. It is by a lot of junk that we've done in our past, and we're ashamed of it. And we think, man, I wish I could just get away from it, but it's hounding after me. And then there are others of us. I mean, we've been wronged. We've had people who have screwed us over. And we're angry about it, and we're bitter about it, and yet it just sort of, it's always on our mind, and we feel like that those, those dogs of anger and bitterness are constantly nipping at our heels, and we wonder, can I ever, you know, can I ever get away from this stuff? And like Robert the Bruce, there is a stream that flows, that can give you freedom, that can break the scent trail and give you freedom. And that stream that flows is a sacrifice, the sacrificial blood of Jesus that was given for you that you might be able to have freedom in your life. 
Today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see the Apostle Paul share with us this really good or great secret to freedom. And it's really not that big of a secret. It's just it's really hard to do. And the secret, of course, is forgiveness. Now, on the human level, forgiveness doesn't make a lot of sense. I can tell you, I can tell you my natural response is when somebody does me wrong, I want to get them back. Do y'all ever feel that way? Now, I've matured a little bit, and so I don't want to, like, get them back really bad, just a little bit. And so, you know, that's, but that's my natural response. So if somebody wrongs me, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you back so that you'll learn not to do that to me again. Uh, there are some, sometimes, uh, some of us, when we've been wrong, and we hear this idea of forgiveness, we, we refuse to give forgiveness. Because it's one way that we can hang on to it, you know? Hang on to the anger and the bitterness, and we feel like that we actually have some kind of power over that person by being able to say, I will not forgive you. Now, that's, that makes sense to me. That just shows you where I am. You know, my nature, I think, I like that. But that's not what God's called us to do. That's not God, who God calls us to be. As a matter of fact, what we discover as we go through Scripture is that a distinguishing mark of a person who is a follower of Jesus is forgiveness. If you're a person who follows Jesus, a mark in your life that will show it is that you will be a person who forgives. So here's the big question. Why? You know, why, why should we forgive? What's that all about? Well, hopefully we'll find the answer today as we look at the Bible. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look in verse number 30 through verses 32. Uh, the background of this is this was a letter written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. And now Ephesus was a big town. It was a town of about 250,000 people. It was on the water, so it was a port city. A lot of business people would travel through this area. It was also one of the major banking centers for the Roman Empire during this time. And so Paul knew all this. And so when Paul sees all of this, Paul automatically begins to think, man, what a great opportunity for believers to be able to show off who God is from all over the world. And he lets them know one of the best ways that you can show the power and the freedom of God is by being a people of forgiveness. And guys, that's a message that's still true for us today. So why forgive? You know, it's sort of, it seems kind of weak, but why forgive? Three real simple reasons, simple and hard to put into practice, reasons about why we should do it. The very first reason why we're to forgive is because of this. First of all, a lack of forgiveness enslaves. I'm sure some of you, you, you might have experienced this, this before. If you are eaten up with bitterness and anger, one thing you'll discover, you don't have freedom. And so when you are unwilling to forgive, that unforgiveness will enslave, will bind you in your life. Now look with me in verse number, let's see, verse number 30. Paul wrote, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. Now when Paul said this, he is, he's writing to people who are followers of Jesus. This is not a message for those who are not followers of Jesus. Now he wants everybody to be a follower, but he's like, if you're a believer, he said, this is for you. And what does he tell them? He says, don't grieve God's Spirit. Uh, back in chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul tells us that this letter is for believers. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the saints and believers in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. What does he tell us? He says, do not grieve the Spirit of God. 
Okay, I read that and I think, what in the world does that mean? You know, how do I grieve God's spirit? Well, the word grieve means to pain. It means to cause sorrow, which is interesting to me. I can actually do something that can cause sorrow to God, that, that causes, that hurts the heart of God. How in the world do we do that? How do I upset God to where I actually, like, I hurt him by refusing to be obedient to him? You see, whenever I make a decision that I'm going to go my own path, that I'm going to live like I want to, it grieves the Spirit of God. Why? It's really cool. I mean, not, it's not cool to do that, but it's neat to find out it's because God loves us. And God knows that whenever we choose our own way instead of His, God knows that we are on a path to destruction. He knows that we are on a path to where instead of having freedom in the way that we live, we are going to be bound up and enslaved. And Paul says, whenever we walk outside of God's will, he said, you are walking in darkness. Now we know, most of us know that darkness is not always a great thing. Uh, this uh, this past weekend, that was uh, uh, this. Let's see, Friday Friday night, I, I was down had a uh, was down in Charleston, so I went over and saw my son. He's at the Citadel, so he's a knob, and so you know, which is um, there's some of you, your kids are down there, and so it's a, it's a wonderful, easy, fun experience. And so I went over there. One thing they do is they sleep deprive them, and so I, I picked up Hank, took him to dinner. After we got finished with dinner, Hank said, "I'm really tired," and so he can't he can't get in his bed like until like one in the morning. It's just crazy. So I said, well, I'm going to park next to the school, and why don't you, why don't you just uh, shut your eyes? And so he was so excited whenever when I shut the door, and, I, and the car went off, and all the lights went off. Darkness can be good at times, right? So he lays down within five seconds. Y'all, he is breathing so deep. It's hilarious. I was like, this is I wish I could sleep like that. Of course, not the way he has to. But darkness sometimes can be good. But darkness here is not talking about, I'm going to turn off the lights to get a good night's sleep. Darkness here is talking about trying to live. In darkness. You ever try to get around when it's dark? You can't see? Isn't that a joy? I mean, you, 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 your steps, they're not very confident in darkness, are they? If, how many of y'all have kids? Walk in the rooms at night? Dark? We have a daughter, Janie. Her room is, it's incredible. It is a minefield. When you walk through there in darkness, you will be hurt. I mean, you will be injured, so we need some of those guys from Afghanistan to come in and remove the mines. And so you walk through a room, it is so dark, and it's, man, it's, it's, it's hard to walk with confidence, because you know that you're going to step on something. You can't see where you're going. There's obstacles that are there, but you don't see them. Now, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, when you walk outside of God, you are in darkness, and when you're in darkness, there's no freedom. So what's the cure for darkness? It's light. That's why Jesus oftentimes refers to himself as light in the Bible. In John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light gives freedom. When you walk in darkness, it's destruction. That's why we're always encouraged to avoid darkness and walk in the light. How do we avoid darkness? We follow Jesus. Paul wrote in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler, 
against the authorities, against the world powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Hey, you know, the, the darkness, darkness is the domain, the devil. And he wants to keep us in the darkness so that we can't see the light of God who wants to direct and guide our paths. There's a story that I've, I've always enjoyed this story. It's a, 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 a captain of a ship, a battleship, and he's in the water, and off in the distance they see a light. And so he says, they're on our course. He says, send them a, told a signal, or his corpsman said, send them a signal and tell them they need to alter their course by 10 degrees to the north. So he sent the message. message came back to him. said, alter your course 10 degrees to the south. So you know, it kind of ticks him off a little bit. He said, uh, send them a message. Say, alter your course 10 degrees to the, uh, to the south. It's a captain. Message comes back. Alter your course. Ten degrees to the north. Said this is Navy third class seaman Jones. Okay, at this point, the captain's about ready to wring somebody's neck. So he says, send this message. He said, alter your course ten degrees. We're a battleship. Message comes back. Says, alter your course ten degrees. We're a lighthouse. <laughs> now, guys, it's always good in the midst of darkness to have a lighthouse. It's always good in the midst of darkness to have something that is steady and true and sure that you can look to that's going to be able to guide and direct your living. That's who God is. He's our lighthouse. He's our lighthouse to keep us from being busted up by the shoals of this life. And what does he teach us in Scripture? He teaches us that we are to be a people of forgiveness. You see, whenever you don't forgive, you will be enslaved and entrapped by so many things that we're going to get into in just a moment. But unforgiveness, y'all, it reaps a whirlwind. But forgiveness gives freedom. So why, why should we forgive? Well, the very first thing I see is because a lack of forgiveness enslaves. But another reason to forgive is because forgiveness removes anger. Forgiveness removes anger. Now look with me in verse number 31. And this is Paul. He's, he's saying this is what you need to get out of your lives. He says, all bitterness, anger and wrath, insult and slander must be removed from you along with all wickedness. And he's like, I want you to walk in light. He said, if you're going to walk in light, there's some stuff that will darken you. And it's this little list that he gives right here. There's a, a man that was driving uh, up to an intersection, and as he was getting close to it, it was, the light was still green, but you know, it turned yellow. And as it turned yellow, he began to slow down. He could have made it through, but he, he began to slow down. Now, unfortunately for him, as the lady behind him, she was more like my wife. She wanted to get through that yellow light, but that guy was right in front of her, and she comes slamming up on her brakes and just skidding to a stop. And she is chapped. Now, I'm sure that some of y'all have been here before, but she's right up on that guy, and she is laying on her horn. And she's laying on her horn. Y'all, this is not my wife. This, I'm just saying she's going to like her. So anyway, don't think this. So she's laying on her horn, and she's beating on the steering wheel. And she is screaming, and she's doing these hand gestures, and it's not waving, and so it's not good. Now, what she didn't know is that behind her was a policeman, and he sees all this going. He just sees this lady sliding to a stop, and he says, she's irate. And so he turns on his blue lights, 
And he, he goes up to the lady, and they pull over to the side, and she's yelling at him, what in the world's going on? And I just kind of, you know, I just came up, I stopped the side, I just, I, I stopped behind the guy, just talking my horn, and he just, she was going crazy. So he put her in handcuffs. And he takes her down to the police station, and he takes her down there, and she's still just absolutely infuriated. Well, he comes in there after about two hours, and he comes and talks to her and said, man, there's been a huge mistake. So I'm sorry. He said, when I came up behind your car, he said, I saw what you were doing. I mean, you were going crazy. And he said, I looked at your car, and he said, I saw on the back of your car, honk if you love Jesus. And there's this little Christian fish on it. And he said, I just automatically thought, man, this car is stolen. Now, guys, let me, whenever we allow anger and bitterness to take control, it can make even the best church-going person look like a raving idiot, right? Whenever you allow bitterness and anger to have charge of your life, it will destroy a testimony that you give. Now, Paul gives a real extensive list here. He said, hey, you've got to get this stuff out of your life. Get rid of bitterness, anger, wrath, insult, slander, along with all wicked, wickedness. Now, these are all related evils, but it's interesting that he starts off by saying get rid of bitterness. That word bitterness in the, in the language in which this text was written, is an interesting word. It's speaking of a dart that's filled with poison. And you know, when, when it's shot into you, a poisonous dart, eventually what happens is the poison spreads through your body. And it can spread through slowly, but what does it do is it spreads through slowly. It, it destroys your inside. It destroys your life, your organs. That's what bitterness does. Bitterness is like a poison that is shot into you that over time, if it's not dealt with, will destroy you. It'll eat you up. It will dominate everything about your life. And before long, if you allow it to fester, your life becomes ruled by all those frustrations and angers that you have in your life. You will be ruled by your passions. That's why in verse number 27, Paul says, Do not give the devil an opportunity. That word opportunity can also be translated foothold. Bitterness can become a foothold for the devil to work in your life. Now, when you, what's, what's a foothold? Now, if you're a climber, you know the importance of a foothold. If you're climbing, you want to get a foothold so you can get leverage. You want to get a foothold so that you're able to continue to climb, so that you'll be able to conquer the mountain. Bitterness can become a foothold in your life that the devil will use so that he can get leverage in your life in order to be able to conquer you. Now do you see why Paul says, get rid of bitterness? You don't want bitterness in your life because it becomes a weapon that the devil can use against you. And yet so many of us are eaten up by bitterness. We don't have joy in our lives. We're angry, and I'll be honest with you, some of you are angry for good reasons. There's some garbage that's happened in your life, and it's not fair. And it's not right. And I'm not going to try to act like I know what everything that you're going through, but I understand that there are things that happen in this life that aren't fair. But forgiveness... Can give you freedom. It can give you freedom from being controlled by your emotions. You know, there's a lesson of this in the book of Genesis. You might remember in the book of Genesis that two brothers, Cain and Abel, they gave an offering to God. 
God accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain's. I don't know why. He just didn't accept it. And Cain got angry. He got ticked off. And so, so God had a message for Cain. He told Cain this in the book of Genesis. God told him, he said, you'll be accepted if you respond in the right way. But if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. And this is a warning he's given. He said, sin is waiting to attack and destroy you, and you must subdue it. Did he follow that advice? He didn't. What happened? Sin attacked him and destroyed him, and he killed his brother. And we know the rest of the story. You know, a, a forgiveness can allow you to have freedom from your past so that you can move forward and have a future. Unforgiveness keeps you bound down in the past to where you don't have a future. To where everything in the future is totally stained by what ha has happened in your past. There's a, there are great, great stories in a book about uh, Robert E. Lee's later years. And the lady from Mississippi, this is after the Civil War, she had Lee come over and she said, I want you to look in my front yard at this tree. And it had one t at one time been a beautiful oak tree. It was almost all rooted up. It was busted up. And uh, she began to just yell and curse the, the Union Army for destroying her tree. And so she sat there and she told her story and she looked at the thing and she's waiting for him to respond. And he just looked at her and he looked at the tree and he looked back at her and he said, Ma'am, if I was you, I would cut it down and forget it. That's a great piece of advice. There's some things in our lives that have happened and we just keep referring back to it and hanging on to it and the best thing we could do is to cut it down and forget it. Otherwise, the root of bitterness it will get deeper and deeper into your life, and it will poison you. Why should we forgive? Well, Paul says because of lack of forgiveness in slaves. When we do forgive, we remove anger. Now, I think this is probably the most important one. Another reason to forgive is the last one. is because forgiveness makes you more like Jesus. I mean, that's it. Why, why should we forgive? Just forgiveness makes us look like Jesus. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Now, the preceding verses, very simply put, are saying, don't be a jerk. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Don't be a jerk. Verse 31, anger, wrath, and shouting should not be part of who you are. Now, there are some of y'all who do a great job at that. I mean, somebody wrongs you, and you keep control. Anger and shouting and wrath are not a part of who you are. But it's so interesting. I look at that and I think, man, that is great. That's like, that's your top of the heap. But the Bible takes it a step further. It doesn't say, hey, just keep control of your mouth. It says, you're supposed to treat these people in a certain way who wrong you. Well, how are we supposed to treat them? Now, I can tell you how I think we ought to. But what does Jesus say? What does the Bible say? It says you treat them with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Okay, now when you read that, Chris, you're in church, you go, oh, that's great. And on the inside, you're going, ugh, you've got to be kidding me. The word forgiveness in our text, it means to freely pardon. To freely pardon. Now, for most of us, forgiveness usually carries with it some conditions. You know, I, I forgive you, but before I do, let me tell you why well, I think you're a jerk. You know, I forgive you if 
you respond in this way to sort of pay for what you did to hurt me. Now that's our definition of forgiveness. Biblical definition of forgiveness is no strings attached. To freely pardon. It means also that, that you're going to freely pardon them. Now, that doesn't mean that you get to go dig it back up later on and beat them over the head with it later. Say, so I forgave you a long time ago, but it looks like you're heading down the same path again, and we pull back out and just whack him in the head with it. It, is to, it, is, it means to, uh, to forgive with no strings attached. He said, why would we do anything like that? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, love your enemies. Do what is good. And lend, expect nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He's gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You know, as we, as we forgive, we demonstrate to people, people who don't deserve forgiveness, the power of God. We give them a picture of who Jesus is. You know, a, a, a couple of months ago, I went fishing with a guy from our church, and we were out fishing, and we were talking, and we started talking about, we got on the subject of forgiveness. And he was talking about, he was talking about when I was younger, there's some things I did that were just, you know, not, not good. And so we talked, he said, man, isn't it great that God forgives? I'm like, yeah. So we talked for a while, and somehow, you know, man, we are so undeserving. And yet God forgives us. Now, I think everybody in this room... We're like, man, we are so grateful God forgives. Are y'all with me? God forgives. Isn't that awesome? God forgives. And then I said, you know, but what, you know what's really interesting to me is we're so grateful for God's forgiveness. And yet, man, it is like the teeth to get me to forgive. I like to receive it. I'm not real good at giving it. Why is that? And I think, I, I think really it comes down to we, we forget our role sometimes. See, it's real easy for me to, to understand my failings and my shortcomings and understand, Lord, I need your forgiveness. But when somebody offends me, I put myself in the place of God. And it's almost like I'm like, how dare you even think of offending me? You know, even, I mean, just talking about the story about driving. You know, when somebody cuts me off or something, isn't it amazing? I'm thinking, I am the, I am the king of this road. <laughs> what are you doing, you know, getting over without putting on a blinker? Now, I can do it. But you can't. So I forget my place, and I become like I'm sort of like this God figure. But that type of thing, man, it's absolutely crazy. You see, when I'm seeking to get my pound of flesh, or when you seek to get your pound of flesh, and you refuse to forgive, what you are doing is being ungrateful for what God's done for you. Do you understand? God doesn't owe us anything. And God doesn't have to forgive us for anything, and yet He does. And if we want people to see Jesus, we need to be acting like him. And the greatest way that we can demonstrate who God is and his power is through being forgiving. To be willing to let go of past wrongs. And as we do that, guys, you will look more and more like Jesus. Uh, there's a book that was written by a guy named Keith Eidelman. It's called Not a Fan. And I just read through it, and there's this one section I found interesting, and so I just wrote it down to share with you. Here's what he wrote. He said, Jesus was never interested in having fans. He said, when he defines what kind of relationship he wants, enthusiastic admirer is not one of them. My concern is that many of our churches in America have gone from being sanctuaries to becoming stadiums. And he said, we all gather in to the stadium where we cheer for Jesus, 
but really don't have any interest in following it. The biggest threat to the church today is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. He said they want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. As if we're going to be followers of Jesus, one thing that's required from us is to forgive. Now, is it costly? Yes. You know why it's costly? It's because we are saying, Jesus, I am letting go of my rights. I'm letting them go. And I'm putting myself under your leadership. See, that's where we have to come to. We have to come to a place where we say, Lord, it's not, this life is not about me. It's not about my rights, Lord. It is about who you are. If we're going to follow Jesus, we've been called to forgive. Why? Lack of forgiveness enslaves. Forgiveness can remove anger. And forgiveness makes us look more like Jesus. And we live in a world that needs to see Jesus. And if we're going to see Jesus... They need to see us being a people of forgiveness. All right, this is where we end up today. I think there's, I, and I really believe, I believe there are a lot of us who deep under the surface, or maybe not so deep, but the surface of our lives, we have roots of anger and bitterness. And like I said earlier, for some of you, it's legitimate. You've been betrayed. Some of you have lost friendships you've had people lie to you you've had physical things happen to you that are not fair and you are hanging on to those things and it is it is tainting every area of your life guys God doesn't want you to live controlled and enslaved by those things he can give you freedom my, my hope for you today is that you will begin that process of cutting those deep roots to kill off that root of bitterness from poisoning every area of your life.